Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And welcome to another edition of the Pump Fake. I'm Jarrett Bailey from USA Today. Joining me is Ross Jackson, Locked On Saints. It's good to see you, my friend. How are you? Dude, good to see you too, man. Although we uh, finally got to connect a little bit more during the combine, so yeah. uh, glad to be able to jump on with you, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, but I, I was I was very happy to finally meet you in person and you know chop it up a little bit. And now it's good to be to be doing this. It is so hot today in Pennsylvania. I don't know what it's like <laughs> down down south. I know I probably don't have any right complaining uh, compared to that southern heat, um, <laughs> but it is it is a warm one today. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty tough recently but it was only like the feels like the heat index today i'm just looking at it is only 96 today so not too bad we've oh, been only around, 96 yeah, only oh. 90, well we've been hovering around like 115 113 the God past couple oh, weeks yeah so, <laughs> so you know 96 is uh is you know we take some solace I, on that. bro i i could not i could not that's that is Heat and I do not mix if if i could live <laughs> in a place that never exceeds like 65 degrees fine by me san diego's your spot homie <laughs> is that really san diego probably hover, hovers in like the 70s and stuff like that and even when it gets super hot it doesn't even when it gets a little bit hotter than that it doesn't feel that way but san diego is like this magical place for like the easiest job is to be a weatherman because you can kind of say like <laughs> it's like yesterday again you know and it makes it super easy okay i'll keep that one locked away uh san diego i'll, I'll keep that stored away in the brain um Today, we will be discussing NFC over-unders. Um, there's a few that I think would be easy money to hit the over. There's some that I, I don't know where they're getting the number at in terms of mm-hmm. just, you know, it just seems a little bit asinine. We'll start, we can start in the NFC North just because I think that that is kind of the mo- more up-in-the-air division. Um, mm-hmm. The Packers and the Bears are both at seven and a half. If you had to pick one to hit the over, which one would it be? Oh, that's a tough one. I think I'd probably pick the Packers just completely based on the coach. I'm also a believer in Jordan Love. I think the defense is still, you know, profoundly skilled as well. Maybe the maybe challenges is the best defense in that division. So maybe so I think I'll go outside of maybe the Lions because you know Dan Campbell's got those guys biting kneecaps. They just added CJ Gardner Johnson, all that good stuff. But I think out of those two, in terms of taking the over, I'd probably go with um I'd probably go with the Packers. I, I want that for Justin Fields, but Packers have the coach. I think they have the better quarterback, even with Jordan Love as opposed to Aaron Rodgers. So I think I would take the over on the Packers out of those two. Yeah, I think that this is the year that we're going to really find out how good is Matt LaFleur. You know, um, I I think a lot of people have kind of, I don't want to say been a naysayer of him because he does have a proven track record. But, you know, there's the crowd that's like, okay, well, how much of this is Aaron Rodgers? Take away Aaron Rodgers. And what, what, you know, how good is Matt LaFleur really? We're going to find out. Um, I was a Jordan Love guy coming out. I I didn't expect him to go to Green Bay. I don't think really anybody did. No one did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But. I mean, look, man, if they luck into another really good quarterback and go from Favre to Rodgers and Jordan Love turns out to be really good, too, that's tip of the cap to him. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give the, the case for the Bears. Uh, played in a lot of one-score games last year. Um, I think they made a lot of improvements on the defensive side of the ball, bringing in Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards. Their pass rush still, I would, I would like to have seen them make another move uh, to get a, a pass rusher, but you know, we'll see. Time will tell. Um, on the back end, I think Jaquan Brisker is has all the makings of a really solid safety. 
Uh, they trade for DJ Moore, and we've seen what getting a go-to guy has done for you know quarterbacks like Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. Could Justin Fields be the next in line when it comes to that? He does need to improve as you know, just a pure passer and become more efficient, become a more consistent, accurate passer. But you know, we know how explosive he is, and now it just comes down to can he take that next step and uh, you know get them over this this hump? It's yeah. this is the most up in the air that the division has been in a long time. And uh, if there was ever a year for them to do it, it would be this one. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. This would be the ones where it makes sense. If it doesn't work here, you got to make some big time changes and some yeah. big time shifts. And, and maybe that starts with the staff and you continue to rally around Justin Fields, especially if Justin Fields has a good showing, but maybe the team falls apart somewhere else or they lose some more of those one score games, which could be coaching decisions, play calling, you know, clock management, things like that, which they had a couple of those moments that kind of bit them last year. So if they were to repeat that and, and get a good performance from Justin Fields, but still not eclipse that seven and a half, you know, spot, then I think you start to look at where you can make some organizational changes and continue to try to build around a roster that I think is headed in the right direction, but kind of like the Detroit lions, they're kind of where the Detroit lions were maybe two years ago to where you want to see all of it start to mesh this year and then see where it ends up next year. Speaking of Detroit, they're over under nine and a half. That feels like solid money. I mean, they did have the very slow start last year um, and then just ran through everybody in the second half of the season uh, and almost made the NFC playoffs. They became the darlings of the yeah, NFL got there. in the process. Um, I think when you look at how the Lions addressed this offseason, they realized their biggest weakness was their secondary and they just went mm-hmm. balls to the wall with getting guys that were available to get Emmanuel Mosley, Cam Sutton, um cj gardner johnson like they've got a ton of guys uh now on the back end uh they trade away jeff okuda who you know kudos to them for recognizing hey we took this guy early but it's just not working um and now they will have to overcome all right jameson williams isn't going to be there for the first month and a half of the season um but i'm i'm on ross st brown still there they draft jameer gibbs offensive line still really good i think as long as everybody at least comes close to living up to their potential and expectation. This should be an over nine and a half. And there's a reason why they're favored to win the NFC North right now. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think that you really, what you're asking yourself is, is did this team do enough over the course of the off season to win one more game, to win one more game than they won last year. They were a nine and eight second place team in the division last year. The trick is though, they have to get one more game than they did last year playing a second place schedule as opposed to playing a third or fourth place schedule, which is kind of the, you know, the world that they've been living in here recently. And so I think that as long as they're able to do that, and I think that offensive line is good. You have a good culture there with the Dan Campbell sort of, you know, culture that's in there. Jared Goff is, is good enough to win them some games. We've seen that. And Hey, look, they, you know, they were without Jamison Williams for what the first 13, 14 games last yeah. season. They were still in a good position. So I do think that you continue to lead on Amon Ross St. Brown. They brought in, uh, was it David Montgomery, if I remember correctly, at running yeah, back? From Chicago. So, uh, you know, they offloaded uh, uh, Jamal Williams, the city of New Orleans. Thanks you for that. <laughs> and like, out of that, like they, they've still put together a really good contingent there. So I, I think that they could be or should be favored exactly as they are. But I, I think I'm with you on that. That over nine and a half feels pretty easy, at least right now. The Vikings are only a game behind them in terms of their over-under at eight and a half. I think that's probably a little high, but I understand why you have it there. Kirk Cousins is going to keep you in games. He's going to be able to keep you around the 500 mark. Um, defensively, I like I love the hiring of, of Brian Flores. Um, it seems that they have a, a vision in mind as well. You know, They've gotten rid of a lot of veteran guys on that side of the ball, um, which, I mean, you look at how Ed Donatel utilized that defense last year. It was really bad. Um, right. So they can only go up. 
Um, and we know how we know how good Justin Jefferson is and that and his connection with Kirk Cousins. Um, I think that when you have a guy like Kevin O'Connell, you have a capable quarterback in Kirk Cousins, who I think on his best day is a top 10 guy in the league. And you have Justin Jefferson, who's the best receiver in the league. They're going to still have offensive fireworks. The question is going to come down to one. They're not going to win 11 one score games again. Right. And two, how much can that defense yield uh, their opponents? Yeah, that that the 11 one score game this is exactly where I was going with this one yeah. too. And and then the 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 departure of Dalvin Cook, what does that running back room look like? I know it's going to be led by Alexander Madison, but they want it to be a committee approach, all these things. I think there's a good chance the Minnesota Vikings surprisingly disappoint in 2023 and and I'm going to probably take them to do so. I think right now they are the one of the surprise teams that could be I'll say near but potentially at the bottom of their division. I don't have a lot of faith in their quarterback. I don't have a lot of faith in what the offense can do without Adam Thielen there. Justin Jefferson is now the one and only guy. And he was always the go-to guy, and he continued to produce besides that 130-plus catches, hundred you know 1,800-plus yards, all that. But the guy can only get in the end zone double-digit tens amount of times, and that's, that's kind of it, right? You can only really do it. It's the teens at the most. So who else is contributing to your offense? And we'll see what happens with the Danielle Hunter situation going on with all that. They brought in Marcus Davenport, who had uh, a half sack last season, and they paid him $14 million. I understand Brian Flores and them probably have a, a vision there, but I don't know what that vision is. And so there, there's some pieces there that just feel questionable in terms of their offseason and what is probably going to be Kirk Cousins last season. So you'd love to see Kirk Cousins kind of, you know, finish up. I, I mean, last season, potentially in Minnesota. Right. right. Uh, you know, you'd love to see them, you know, kind of sending him off with a, a you know a winning season and a good season sure. but i don't know if that's in the cards for him yeah i mean he's gonna look great in a 49ers uniform in 2020 yeah, that's exactly uh, right that's exactly right <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll move on to the nfc east where the dallas cowboys over under nine and a half i think that for the cowboys i could see them taking a step back this year um last year was the first time they made the playoffs in consecutive seasons since 2006 and 2007 um you throw in the Whoa. fact that yeah you know, the fact that Kellen Moore is no longer there, it's going to be Mike McCarthy's outdated offense. Um, I, I like Dak. I think that the consensus on Dak is that, yeah, he's good. Um, I think that he's just kind of in a bad situation where he's got an over-the-hill owner, a head coach um, who is, like I said, installing an offense that the game has passed by. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense will be fun, I think. Um I do believe that we are overhyping the addition of Stefan Gilmore a little bit at this point in I his agree. career. Um, and I think that Trevon Diggs probably gets a little bit more. Trevon Diggs, I don't think he's as bad as people on Twitter want you to think he is. I don't think he's <laughs> as good as the pundits say he is. I think there's a gray area there where, you know, he's good, but he, he does get beat a ton. And that's yeah. something that, um, you know, they'll have to pay attention to. But Micah Parsons is really good. We know. Um, you know, hopefully Tony Pollard comes back, um, as good as he was before. It's just, this offense lacks juice, man. Like Big time. getting Brandon cooks is good. They have a, you know, a deep threat now opposite of CD lamb, but I, I don't know, man, losing Dalton Schultz, I think will hurt. Uh, offensive line still has a few pieces that are question marks. Like I could see them taking a step back, Mike McCarthy being on his way out and they're looking for somebody new in 2024. Yeah, there was an interesting conversation that happened nationally very recently about the idea of whether or not Dak Prescott is a good enough quarterback to bring a team to the NFC Championship or would a team around him have to be good enough for him to do that. You think back to the um, 
the ankle injury season a few years ago to where he was pretty outstanding leading up to that until he had to play teams, the Green Bay Packers, the others, stuff like that. My good friend Darian Gray and I were literally just talking about this. He's the host of the Locked on HBCU podcast. He and I were walking around talking about this earlier today. And I don't know if Dak is enough there or and, and if he's not, I don't know that there's enough around him to elevate him there. Uh, Tony Pollard, I think for me, is kind of the biggest X factor when it comes to this team. If you get a fantastic season out of Tony Pollard, then okay, you're in a good place. But uh, I, I don't know if that's going to be enough because you have to be able to throw the ball in today's NFL. And especially in a division where you're fighting against, you know, look, a New York Giants offense that I know is led by Daniel Jones. And a lot of people don't like Daniel Jones, but that's still a Brian Dayball offense. They just added Darren Waller. There's good stuff there. There's competition within this division. You have the Philadelphia Eagles and, and Jalen Hurts, a guy who had an MVP worthy season last year, all of that. I mean, I, I don't know how the Dallas Cowboys are the team within the NFC East. But if the over-under is still – you said it was a single-digit over-under, right? Nine and a half of the Cowboys. Nine and a half. Yeah, I mean, I could see them – this is a division where I could see them winning 10 games and being in second place. You know what I mean? Or yeah. something weird like that, kind of like last year where they won, what, 12 games and they were in second place? Sure. So, you know, I could see that sort of being a situation for them. But I think I'd probably expect a little bit of a, of a healthier step back for this team and take the under. I think I see the Giants taking a step back too because mm – -hmm. And reports coming out that Daniel Jones wanted $47 million a year on his latest contract, which is, by the way, absurd. Why um, shouldn't he? Why shouldn't he ask for that? You know what I mean? Like, oh, sure. Man, I, I you're probably it. not going to get it, but <laughs> ask for it. Hell. <laughs> Aim for the stars, I guess. Um, <laughs> the thing with the Giants, though, and like, look, I think Dable's fantastic, and I think that he has a proven track record with quarterbacks where he's going to if you have Brian Dable, your quarterback is more than likely not going to turn the ball over a ton. And that's what Daniel Jones did. He was one of the more turnover-prone quarterbacks before Dable got there. And last year, he was one of the least turnover-worthy quarterbacks in the league. So I get it. Um, but giving a guy $40 million sim simply to not screw it up. Um, you know, I, I talked about this with Amy Trask, and I said it on previous shows. It reminds me a lot of that Jaguars year where they go to the AFC title game with Blake Bortles. And they're like, ah, oh, I guess we got to keep him. And we can't get rid of him after that. That's not great. Um, I, I think that Daniel Jones is better than Blake Bortles, but I think that we we probably have seen, if not his ceiling, pretty close to it. Like I, he's never going to be, you know, a forty five hundred yard thrower and thirty touchdowns. I think this is just kind of what he is, you know, between thirty five hundred, four thousand yards, in the area of twenty total touchdowns, and that's that's fine. I mean, that's a starting caliber quarterback, but it's not a guy that you. I don't think you win a Super Bowl with Daniel Jones, and I don't think you're a perpetual playoff team with Daniel Jones. I think they take a step back. They're over under seven and a half uh, in the NFC East. I think that they can probably hover around there and go like seven and ten, eight and nine. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team again. Yeah, I I might feel a little bit more strongly about the New York Giants than than most. I might feel more strongly about the New York Giants than the New York Giants do. I don't know, but I, <laughs> I think, but I would take I, you know my my kind of prediction is is at least an over on that i agree hovering around getting eight wins you know that kind of thing is is absolutely possible for them but i wouldn't be surprised if they have a second place team in the division this year and the dallas cowboys take if the dallas cowboys take that step back i think that a lot of it comes down to saquon barkley and their ability to be able to run the offense through him and you know figure out how they're going to be able to attack but one of the things that i think that they did so uh wisely this offseason was bringing in darren waller and getting him away from las vegas and and whatever was going on over there that led that to that decision. tire fire in Boston. right <laughs> whatever's going on there 
But, you know, I, I look at them as a team that, you know, they went and they said, OK, we have a young quarterback that it was probably, gonna, like you said, going to be like one of those 20, 23 touchdown a season guys. So how do we get him the guys that are going to help him between the 20s and help us move the ball so that we can get in the scoring distance and utilize the other weapons on this offense? And I think Darren Waller can help you do that. Uh, I think they need a receiver to really step up this year. That has been kind of the biggest thing for them between the Kenny Galladay's and the Darius Slays and the the failed experiment. What an all-time bag getter, by the way, Kenny Galladay is. My I know, God. I know, I know. Him and Chase Daniel, like, just setting the bar <laughs> high for, like, how to get that money. But then, you know, the, the failed experiment, at least for them when it came to, um, when it came to the, uh, the receiver out of Florida. Uh, he's with the Chiefs now. I don't forgot his name. Oh, um, Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's you know an electrifying player, and it just didn't work out there. Sure. Can you add the pieces and continue to do that? Can you get one of those wide receivers to step up so you have multiple weapons on offense? What kills the New York Giants sometimes is that they have one or two go-to guys, and none of them are wide receivers. None of them are attacking or guys that attack the perimeter, which makes playing defense against them just I don't want to call it easy, but a little bit simpler, you know what I mean? A little bit more uh, rudimentary in terms of defending that. Yeah, exactly. And so I think if they're able to figure that part out and they have the right coach to do that, if they can figure that part out, then they could surprise and be a, a, you know, a 10 win team in the division or a nine win team, which might be enough to get them second place in the division. The commanders are over under six and a half. This is the team I'm a little bit bullish on because I was a big Sam Howe guy coming out of school. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, it's, it's weird to me how we judge college quarterbacks. Like if, if an NFL guy has a down year, we just say, ah, oh, it's a down year or whatever. Sam Howell had a really good year in uh, not his last year, but the season prior to his year before, final year. Yeah. yeah. And then he loses everybody worth a Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and then his numbers aren't as great. He still had a respectable year, but his numbers aren't as great. And everybody's like, oh, I guess Sam Howell's not, not the guy anymore. Like, what are we right. doing? He has a really good deep ball. He's got a really good core of guys to work with, Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. Um, I like Washington. I think that they can be something. I think that Ron Rivera and everybody being able to focus a little bit more on football now that the team is being sold and getting away from Daniel Snyder. Thank the Lord thank above. Goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, so I think over six and a half for Washington is one that I'm pretty bullish on. Yeah, I agree. That's an easy one for me. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that that's the over. And I, I too like Sam Howell. I think He's, you know, they're like, there's a chance that he struggles a little bit early on in the season and stuff like that. I mean, this guy's effectively going to be seeing his, I'll say it in air quotes, first action sure. uh, in the NFL as a, as a full-time guy and all of that. But I really like Sam Howell. I like the way that they've continued to build over in Washington. They've got good receivers. They have a good system there. They have a great coach in Ron Rivera. They've continued to build up that defense. Benjamin St. Juice is one of those guys that I just can't wait to see take the next step. They bring Love in Emmanuel Forbes. Yeah, man. They, he was a senior bowl guy that was super fun to watch that year and yeah. everything, too. And so ever since that, I just kind of was like, this is the guy. I like him. He, lot, he's man. been one of my guys since then. I, I had him on the show, and I, he, his story is a really good one. I'm yeah. a big, big Benny St. Juice guy. That's awesome. Yeah. Then you add like Emmanuel Forbes, who's, you know, look, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be kind of seen the same way as Trayvon Diggs is because mm. he's going to make those risks, right? He's going to try to take, he's going to try to make plays and all that. And sometimes that works for you. And sometimes you end up making plays for the other team and you got to kind of shake that off and do it. But he's a guy that's going to be able to, you know, cause some wreak some havoc and be able to find a way to potentially even put points on the board as if, if he carries on what he did his collegiate years, yeah. but even still knocking the ball away, forcing incompletions, things like that. Like those are things he's going to be able to get in. The big thing is, can he, can his size work against the receivers that he's going to be going up against and things like that. But uh, I, I do think that they're, Oh, and cam curl at safety is a guy that I like sure. a lot too. And so 
I think that they have enough pieces to win seven games. I, I would feel very uh, – this is probably the the – the division that I kind of have the highest floor on in terms of the last place team could be a, a seven, eight win team as opposed to a three or four win team. And I think even Washington coming in at seven, eight wins, even if that puts them at the bottom of the division in a tough division, they're on a really, really solid trajectory for what they can be in a couple of years. Philadelphia Eagles are over under 11 and a half. I mean, this is a team that was just in the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts showed, I think, any sort of naysayers that, hey, as long as I got you know a guy that I can go to as my go-to guy, Improved a lot as a passer. Jalen Hurst took a big step forward. Offensive line is still really good. Defensive, like, there's a point in the offseason where, like, oh, man, they're going to lose everybody in their secondary, and then they only lost <laughs> one of them, or right. two of them maybe, and then they bring over Terrell Edmonds from Pittsburgh. Um, so they still got a ton of talent on both sides of the ball there. Uh, barring anything catastrophic, this team is going to be really good. I think 12 wins is very doable. Yeah, I'm not as bothered by the losses of the coordinators either. I'm a I'm a big believer in Ben Johnson, who's stepping into that offensive coordinator role. I wasn't really the biggest fan of Jonathan Gannon, so I think they actually got the better side of that deal. Uh, then they continue to add to their defensive line. That's maybe the place where they lost the most, but this was a 70-sack team last year. If they're a 60-sack team this year, what's the difference? What are we really doing here? Sure, sure. And so, you know, I, I look at the way that they have kind of continued to build up the district disruption i love the the all georgia you know all the way down to deandre swift right they just went all georgia all off season and everything and it's like good like go and get players that are champions go and get players that are bred and shit to be championship caliber and all that and i know we all have our jalen carter questions right now and everything with that but look they they made some good moves over the course of the offseason and i don't know how much of a step back they take in 2023, the, the uh, we might be talking about this being a team that goes from 13 wins to 12 wins. And, and again, what are we doing here? Like, that's, that's a division-winning record. That should be a division-winning team in 2023. The NFC West is an interesting one. Um, the 49ers over-under is 10 and a half. We, I, I feel like we could fast-forward 20 years. We'll have flying cars. We'll, we'll all be electrical. We'll all be eating food in pill form. And the 49ers will still go into week one, not knowing who their starter is going to be. <laughs> um, it's, it's a tale as old as time. Um, <laughs> I, I think that Brock Purdy was, I think there's a gray area with Brock Purdy. I don't think he's mm -hmm. you know, a top 10 quarterback. Like his numbers might've shown when you have the NFC pro bowl team as your roster around you and a great play caller in Kyle Shanahan, you're going to be able to make some plays. Um, yeah. You know, if he was in Houston last year, I don't think he comes nearly comes close to what he did. Um, however, he did make plays when they needed him to. They got to the NFC Championship game. Um, if they can figure out the quarterback spot, man, I think that they can go to the Super Bowl. It's just a matter of can they get a guy that's you know it's been Jimmy Garoppolo and then it was Trey Lance and then he gets hurt and Brock and ten and a half feels fine for me. Like I feel confident saying that they should be around an eleven win team. I think that's the case if they get if they get Brock Purdy. Uh, I think that Brock Purdy is is the guy for that offense. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to overhype him because it's the system around him that works, and and that's what you want. You want a guy that can come in and run the system, and I think that Brock Purdy could be that guy. But he also adds the improvisational ability with a bunch of athletes on the field, and Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and all these guys that we know and love in, in the game of football. But I think that his improvisational ability just kind of helped to expand this offense a little bit. 
if they have to default back to Sam Darnold, then I think they're a seven or eight winning you know, win team. Like I, I think it's that bad for them if they end up in that situation. So I, I think if they get the guy that they want and that, you know, John Lynch is out there on Sirius XM and telling everybody in the world and their mamas that'll listen that Brock Purdy is the guy within the building, which is great. So as long as they get him and the shoulder surgery and all this other stuff or whatever that he was dealing with over the off season, you know, works out then, then awesome. But if they have to go to one of the other two guys, I don't know what to believe in Trey Lance yet, and yeah. I know not to believe in Sam Darnold. So I think that that's really where the pitfall is for San Francisco. And then just staying healthy. This is one of those other teams in the NFL that just consistently deals with injuries. They had that one year where they went out to the Greenbrier, and then somebody, I think it was Bosa, got hurt, and an ambulance broke down going to get him or something weird like that <laughs> happened. And just like, yeah, just don't go to the Greenbrier NFL teams. Like, let the New Orleans guy tell you for sure. But <laughs> – uh, yeah, I, I, they're one where I could see them taking a massive step back if they end up on the wrong side of the quarterback situation. But if they get the guy that they want, then yeah, I think they win that division, uh, which is ultimately a weak division because you've got two weak teams in that in there. Yeah, Seattle is a team that was in the playoffs last year and they lost to the 49ers. Their over-under is eight and a half. I think this just comes down to, do you believe that Geno Smith can come close to replicating what he did last season? I don't think that Geno is their long-term answer. He's a great story and everything, but I think that you remember when Tommy Maddox did that in like 2002 yes. with the Steelers <laughs> where you just after 12 years and being in the XFL, he just has a really good year and the Steelers go to, I think that that, that was Geno Smith's Tommy Maddox year. Nothing wrong, with, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. You know, everybody, it was a great story and everything. I think that Seattle is going to take a little bit of a step back. Pete Carroll's a great coach and they have a really good roster. So they could still be hovering around eight, nine wins. I don't think Geno Smith is going to be their long-term guy though. Oh, yeah. No, I don't, I don't think he's got enough left in him to be the long term guy if we're talking, you know, let's say three, four years down the road. Right. Like, I, I don't think you're getting the same Geno Smith. But hey, if you can get, gosh, 80 percent of what that Geno Smith was last year, like mm -hmm. when I watched him torch that New Orleans Saints defense in person last year while covering that game, like you just saw Geno was just on another planet. This dude was just in another world. He does throw and a pretty deep ball. Oh my goodness. It's gorgeous. And, and, you know, and he's got, and look who he's throwing to too. He's got DK Metcalf. He's still got Tyler Lockett. You have now this nice stable of running backs and everything. Just too, that Jackson you Smith and Jigba as well. Yeah. Oh God. I forgot they added him. You know, maybe I just talked myself back into Seattle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm talking Like this is so, so like if we were talking about Dak Prescott in this situation, I'd be talking about Dak Prescott a lot differently than we talked about Dak Prescott, because I could see how the offense and the weapons around him would be able to, elevate his play yeah i think that that helps with geno smith because if you get 70 percent of geno from last year you can make up another 25 to 30 percent or 20 to 30 percent based upon what you're getting from those other players especially adding jackson smith and jigba especially continue to build around that running back room and you know look you've got talent on defense too as well yeah. and so I, I do think that that's a team that i could see potentially challenging san francisco for the division especially if san francisco has trouble staying staying healthy at quarterback so i think this is a, it's a two-team division and then there's a battle for last place and i think mm -hmm. seattle deserves a little bit more footing in that argument than maybe we expect early yeah i mean especially the defensive backfield as well we didn't mention you know they brought in devin witherspoon to go wrong along with Tariq woolen they have kobe mm -hmm. Bryant back there like they have just a, a lot of talent all over the field yeah um, so yeah, I might've just actually talked myself back into Seattle, <laughs> even if, even if Geno Smith is only, you know, 70%, 75%, yeah. that's, that's fine. Um, yeah, you can find the it other, somewhere. The other two teams in this division, the Los Angeles Rams, their over under is six and a half. Um, 
this whole thing this past offseason with is Sean McVay going to come back? Is he going to retire? Is Aaron Donald going to retire? Is Matthew Stafford going to retire? Does anyone want to be a Ram? Does anymore? anybody <laughs> want to be? Like, dude, you look at their roster right now. It looks like they like have like a LinkedIn thing and like with like hiring like entry level people. I can't name <laughs> yes. more than like yeah. 10 Rams. Right. They're, this is a very different looking team than the team that won the Super Bowl two years ago. Um, exactly. And plus, we still have questions about how healthy is Matthew, like how good is his arm? Is is he good enough to, right. to keep yeah. playing? Um, and yeah, like Cooper Cup's good. I no one really knows about the offensive line, but that's what you could say about the Rams. Cooper, that's Cup's what you know. Good. Yeah, Aaron Donald's good. Aaron Donald, and and Cooper that's... Cup, and then there's 51 dudes that we'll <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, and and the other thing around Matt Stafford too is. What does his arm look like week one? And what does his arm look like week 10, 11, yeah. 12? You know what I mean? Like that was such a big conversation here in New Orleans around Drew Brees, his latter years. And you could you could see it like it's demonstrable. Like you can you can observe the drop off in, in the arm and things like that and how mm-hmm. the offense has to change around it. Is Sean McVay going to pull the offense, pull the reins back on the offense that much? And if he does, does that take the Sean McVay? out of the Sean McVay offense. And at that case, in that case, you're, you're, you're floundering. I, I take the under on the Los Angeles Rams. And I know that their over under is already low. Like I know the win total is already low, but I, I think that the bottom of this division is going to be going to be pretty bad in, in the NFC West. Hey, look, this is, they would absolutely do it again, but this is what happens when you go with the, the stars and scrubs mentality of building a roster yep. and trying to get a Super Bowl. And look, they got a Super Bowl, and they, and they got the absolutely Super Bowl. do this again. Yep. But, you know, we're kind of seeing what happens after the fact. And, yep. you know, I have a hard time placing them under six and a half with everybody that's good on their team if they remain mm-hmm. healthy just because McVay's too good a coach. I not, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team by any means. I think right. that they'll hover around seven. Like, They'll win more games than they should because they have a really good coach mm-hmm. and they've got a few studs on the team that are difference makers. I don't see more than eight wins, though. I think that's that's yeah. their cap. Yeah, um, I, I could I could absolutely see that, but I'm trying to make some money, so I'm going with the <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, it is plus money um, to take yep. the over as well. Over six that's and a half is plus, uh, plus 100. Um, then the Arizona Cardinals, who are just... You know they're they're certainly a team. Don't uh, even tell me. Don't even tell me the the win total. It's under. It's the under. over under for the Cardinals is four and a half. Under. <laughs> I think it's a safe <laughs> under even at that. Like Jonathan, Gannon, isn't that wild? Like dude, they're gonna be oh. starting like David Blau at quarterback or Colt McCoy, like or right. Clayton Tune. Like it's not gonna be good, man. No. Um, no. D Hop isn't going to be there. I think they're who's going to be their number one receiver? Is it going to be Rondale Moore, their go to guy? Yeah, this Rondale Moore, and then Greg Dortch probably is going to be oh, there. Not, <laughs> how dare pull. I forget Greg Dortch? <laughs> that's a pull. <laughs> um, I think he'll be around. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll yeah. be on the roster for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, and James Connor, like, yeah. defensively, they're, like, Buda Baker's going to be gone too eventually. Like, it's right. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's what's going to happen good. with the Isaiah Simmons, Avon Collins? Is anyone going yeah. to use these guys and utilize them in the way that makes sense? I mean, yeah, it, talk, talk about like two different like sides of the coin where I think Indianapolis has had a really good vision of, okay, we're just going to draft scheme fits and athletes 
the Cardinals said, we're going to draft athletes who don't fit our scheme whatsoever, but we're going <laughs> to figure it we out. have no idea what to do with. <laughs> it's rough, man. And, and like, you hope that, you know, you look at what Jonathan Gannon did with Hassan Reddick and then you yeah. go, okay, maybe there's something there for the Isaiah Simmons role. Maybe there's something there, but you also know that Isaiah Simmons is such an athletic player. Do you really want to pigeonhole him to just rushing the passer? He's, he's probably one of their better coverage guys in the middle of the field, all that. Like, it, 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 they're one way or another, they're losing some major aspect of their defense because they didn't construct their defense to a scheme. And now you have a guy coming in that's going to introduce a new scheme and try to, you know, shoehorn these guys into things. And so I, I think it's going to be a tough one. Um, you know, you could have told me that the un over under on this team is two and a half, and I still might have thought about taking the under. Like it's going to be a tough season, but maybe 18 months from now, we're talking about this Arizona Cardinals team in a whole other way. But right now, no. no. Yeah. I think 18 months from now, we're going to be talking about, I think a year from now we'd be talking about, all right, Caleb Williams, let's see how he does yeah, with, new, exactly. with, with new head coach. Um, the, who's the OC from the Lions, whose name is escaping me right now. Oh, Brian you know. Johnson. Yeah. 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 He, yeah, yeah exactly. He inevitably gets hired to, to have Caleb Williams as his new toy to play with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That is, I, I do think that Jonathan Gannon is going to be a one and done. Like everything that and I've seen so far. Those are rare in the NFL. And it's they are. I don't think he's going to be, you know, a, a, what we saw in Denver last year um, where it's, mm -hmm. you know, what, 12 games and done. Yeah, um, before the season's over. Oh. But yeah, I don't think it's going to be like an Urban Meyer situation, but it's not going to be good, man. But that, yeah. That'll be their second one and done in the past five years because they had Steve Wilkes, who was the one and done when he had Rosen, and yeah. then they brought in Cliff. So. I don't know. I, th I don't think I think, you know, we talked about Minnesota and Kirk Cousins that being his final year there. I think this is Kyler Murray's last year there, especially if they go through another regime change. Oh, yeah. And if they end up with that number one overall pick or really a pick in the top five, you have to imagine that they're going to try to make a move for one of those two guys, whether yeah. it be Caleb yeah. Williams or or Drake May. And, you know, I think that Kyler. Probably one of the more. How do I phrase this? Probably one of the more successful, smaller stature quarterbacks that we've seen in the modern era. Yeah. But, uh, but that's a, that's a very, very low bar, you know, at the same time. And so uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting because the thing that I wonder is if Kyler Murray's done in Arizona, where does he get a shot as a starter beyond that? We have to see where, what roles open and what teams are looking for quarterbacks and things like that. But I, it might be, it might be tough sledding for him finding a gig uh again in the nfl one that just hands him over the keys to the car sure well let's see minnesota you know mm -hmm. kirk's gone and you know they need a guy i think him and kevin o'connell will be fun to watch together they would be uh, fun they would be very fun or you know we talked about this team a little bit earlier and you're a little bit more bullish on them than i am but maybe new york if daniel jones just kind of hits the fan and it doesn't work out if the Daniel hits the fan, you mean? If the Daniel hits the fan. <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. We've got a, we got a lot of time between now and then. But yeah, we can work on that later. <laughs> absolutely. All right, to the NFC South. And my God, what a just murderous road this is going to be. Oh, man. Um, your New Orleans Saints. Yeah. Um, they are currently sitting at, if I can find them, over under nine and a half wins. They have the best quarterback in the division. They have a good defense. I think that, that nine and a half is a fair number to put them at. Mm -hmm. I don't love Dennis Allen as a head coach. I don't know how you feel about him. Not my bread and butter, but mm -hmm. I think when you look at the division in which they play, the quarterback is head and shoulders above everybody else. I think Bryce Young's going to be really good, but I think yeah, as we stand right now, Derek Carr is easily the best quarterback there. Um, yeah, uh, Chris Olave had a nice rookie year. I think mm -hmm. he's going to, you know, finally having a 
how do I want to put this? No disrespect to Andy Dalton, but he's going to have a starting quarterback who is a lot more reliable yeah, and efficient for sure. throwing in the ball. So I think that they'll be, I think they're you know, a little bit more of a boring team last year. I think they'll be a little bit more exciting. Um, and if the defense is still around the level that they played last season, then yeah, they should be around a nine, 10 win team. Yeah. I think this is a team that lives and dies by its trenches. I mean, I think that the, the Derek Carr equation obviously is, is huge for them, but we, we can accept that and we can kind of look at it and say, okay, well, it's not a big system change. Like some of the words are different. Some of the phrasing is different. The vocabulary changed a little bit, but the systems are, are remarkably similar in terms of what he was accustomed to in Vegas slash Oakland. And then what he's coming to here in new Orleans. Yeah. The biggest thing is that, you know, they played, they never had their starting five offensive linemen on the field for a single snap in 2022. Um, yeah. And, and that's if you, that's if we assume that Trevor Penning, who they drafted in the first round was going to be the starter, which was the trajectory for him, but he missed games one through 12 with a dislocated toe games, 10 through 15, the starting center missed. And then when they, when both of those guys were there, um, Cesar Ruiz, the starting right guard, went on injured reserve week 16 to the mm -hmm. end of the year. And so they never really had their starting five out there for a single snap. And so I think that you have to see not just can the offensive line stay healthy, but what do they look like when they're actually out there together? Because we don't yeah. actually know what that looks like. On the defensive line, it's similar. The only returning starter on the defensive line is Cam Jordan. Everybody else departed. Um, Shot Tuttle's in Carolina. David Onyemata's in Atlanta. Marcus Davenport is in, is in Minnesota. And so I think you look at them and then you go, okay, so how is that going to work? And you've got good players there still. They did a good job in free agency. They invested in the draft, all that. But what does their first year ever look like together? So I think that's kind of going to kind of be the big X factor for them along with the quarterback question. But we, we accept the quarterback question. We know that the quarterback question is going to be a thing. So I look at that. Uh, they should be. It, it's a weak schedule. No matter how you look at it, you look at last year's, you look at last year's finish. It's the worst schedule or the easiest schedule in the NFL. You look at the projected finish. It's the second easiest schedule in the NFL. So one way or another, they should be in a good situation here. They have the best quarterback. I'm going to find out how I feel about Dennis Allen as a head coach this year. Cause this is the first year that he's not using Sean Payton's staff. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, he's built a great defense. And so as long as all that works out, this team, with no excuses, should be a 10-win team in 2023. If they're not, then there's some major issues. I'm very bullish on the Carolina Panthers. Same. Um, I think that Frank Reich is the best coach in that division. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Bryce Young, all reports saying that he is ahead of schedule, everything, and mentally he looks great, um, and he's picking up the offense really quick. Um, I have questions about their receiving core. Like, Adam Thielen... Mm -hmm. I don't know how much of, you know, really productive football he's got left. Terrence Marshall, Shai Smith. Um, defensively, I'm excited about them bringing over mm -hmm. uh, uh, Evero from Denver. I think he's going to make a world of difference on that side of the ball. Um, I'm excited to see. Uh, I'm excited to see bo both sides of the ball for Carolina. Um, Sign Miles Sanders as well. Von Bell um, from Cincinnati at safety. A lot of big acquisitions, a lot of expectations early on in the Frank Reich era and, and Bryce Young over under seven and a half. It would not shock me if Carolina surprises some people and not only finishes over seven and a half if they win the division altogether. Yeah, that, that's the team that I think is the sneakiest team in, in the division. Um, I think ultimately your top two teams are the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons who will probably be neck and neck throughout most of the year. But I really wouldn't be surprised if Carolina is like, right there either in the pocket or like right near i think the thing that 
impacts that team more than anything else is how quickly they can start. If they start slow, they'll have to pick up some momentum towards the back end and in the stretch run. That might get a little bit complicated. A lot of division matchups during that time and stuff like that as the NFL has pushed the division schedule back and back and back and team schedules and things. But if you play the first three games of the season with Andy Dalton as your quarterback, you're probably going to run into a, a little bit of trouble because you're going to need a couple of calibration games for, for Bryce Young. I say get that out of the way early. Start yeah. Bryce Young if he's ahead of schedule. If mentally he's there and if he's picking up the playbook, get the kid out there and let him go out there and get it done. The big thing is going to be kind of like the, the Kyler Murray conversation. Is he able to produce at his size and at his stature? And I know that the size conversation is so worn out around Bryce Young and everything, but – it is a concern. It is something that you have to be able to build a specific offense around. We watched it here in New Orleans for years, building around a six-foot Drew Brees. And, and we're talking barely six-foot Drew Brees. And so you know, you have to build a specific offense around that. They have the perfect architects to be able to get that done. They built a great quarterback coaching staff and I think a great offensive coaching staff. So yeah. they have the minds to get it done at just how quickly can they do that and get a good start at the beginning of the season. I think having Josh McCown on that coaching staff has done wonders for, for Bryce Young. Such a smart hire. Such oh, a smart very hire. Much, very much so. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see the, his progression throughout the preseason. One. I, I think in terms of teams I'm most excited to watch in the preseason, Carolina is very yeah. near the top of that list. You mentioned yeah. the Atlanta Falcons. They're over under eight and a half wins. I love their roster. I really yeah. do. I don't love their quarterback, man. I, yeah. I don't think Desmond Ritter is going to amount to being much more than, I don't know, I think he's better than Mac Jones. <laughs> like, sure, sure. <laughs> that's about as much as I can say about Desmond Ritter. Yeah, he's better than Mac Jones. Um, I love, like I said, love their roster. Questions about the quarterback. Um, Arthur Smith's system, though, I think it's proven to be very quarterback friendly. You don't necessarily like. They were contending for a playoff spot with Marcus Mariota, who was god awful last year. Yeah, and I think Ritter's better than Mariota, um, and they have. You know, the talent, Drake London, looks really good. I think the, the way that they're going to utilize Bajan Robinson and every way imaginable is going to be really, really fun to see. Defensively, they got better bringing over Jesse Bates. Uh, their back end is quietly really yes. good on paper. Like Jesse Bates, Jeff Okuda, AJ Terrell, Richie Grant. Um, I think that that could be a unit that makes some noise. Um, so like I said, really good roster. It's going to come down to the quarterback. Yeah, I agree, but uh, I, but I'm with you that the system can certainly help there. And considering yes. what they were able to do last year, I think Desmond Ritter can can be enough. I, I like Desmond Ritter. I thought that he was you know he was probably my favorite quarterback in that draft class was when he? he came through, which isn't saying a ton. That wasn't like the greatest draft class. Sure, I know. sure. I get it. Like everybody's kind of like you're you're splitting hairs when it comes to those guys. But I, I really liked him coming out. And he's the type of quarterback that has success in this division. He can improvise. He can run a little bit if you need him to. All these other, he makes good decisions, stuff like that. The big thing is can they add the explosive plays back into their offense that you saw with guys like Julio Jones and all, you know, before the the big roster changeover that happened there, because that's really where they lacked last year. And then you need to be able to get pressure on the quarterback. I think it's 63 combined sacks over the last two seasons. We just mm -hmm. talked about the Philadelphia Eagles who had 70 yeah. just last year. Now they add Ryan Nielsen as their defensive coordinator. When Ryan Nielsen was in New Orleans, he showed up as a defensive line coach in 2017. Every single season from 2017 on, when Ryan Nielsen was in the building, the Saints racked up more than 40 sacks within 16 games of each season. And so he's he brought consistency there. I think he can do that. They added Calais Campbell, David Onyemata, Caden Ellis, a couple of guys that are going to be able to get some pressure help out Grady Jarrett. Grady Jarrett's finally got some help on the defensive line in Atlanta. So uh, I think that they're 
I think that they're a team that pushes double digit wins potentially. And that, that division ends up looking a lot like the NFC East of last year in that case, not 13, 12 wins winning the division, but maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a two 10 win teams with a tiebreaker that settles it or an 11 and 10 win team, something like that. I, I think that that's the type of division that you see uh, in the NFC South with a really close eight, nine win Carolina Panthers team that, that can be up there depending upon how they start. So I think that this is a team that goes from having no 10 win teams at all. No, they didn't even have a team with a winning record at yeah. all last year. The, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who won that division, were eight and nine. I think this is a team that should have potentially three winning teams in the division, uh, most of all because they have to play against one another. So eventually somebody's <laughs> going to come out on top of that, and they all play bad schedules as well because they've got like NFC North and a couple of other you know, not-so-great divisions that they, that they match up with here. Yeah, and I think that's going to be refreshing for all the reasons that you, you just pointed out. It was so – the NFC South was so bad last year, man. Yeah. Like, it was competitive, but it was bad competitive. Like, it was – Yeah, it was awful. It, it was not good. <laughs> um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over under six and a half. They have, you know, this – the walk, the walking beer bong Baker Mayfield as the projected starting <laughs> quarterback. I don't, think, I don't think Kyle Trask is going to make any sort of noise and challenge him for that. I think they brought Baker in for a reason. Um yeah. Questions on the offensive line still. Questions on the defensive front seven still. Weapons-wise, like, yeah, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are great, but how good is Baker Mayfield? Uh, by the way, I think we know how good Baker Mayfield is. I don't want to see any think pieces it. like, have we seen the best of Baker Mayfield? Yeah, he's not good. Yes. Um, <laughs> over under six and a half, I think they have the worst head coach in the division. I think they have a bottom three head coach in football, by the way, with Todd Bowles. No disrespect to Todd Ooh. Bowles. He's, he's a good defensive coordinator. He is a bad head coach. He is a very yeah. bad head coach. Yeah, um, exist, I'm, sure. I'm very comfortable taking the under six and a half of the Buccaneers. I feel very strongly on that as well. Um, the offensive line was a huge question mark for them last year. However, yeah. The quarterback, I won't say, the, I mean, we know the name, but the quarterback uh, was only under pressure for 20% of snaps. The reason why that quarterback was only under pressure for 20% of his stats is because it was Tom Brady. So yeah. he got the ball out quickly. He knew how to read the defense. He made changes on offense. This is the greatest quarterback that we've, you know, that we've and, seen. And by the way, like, yes, he wasn't under pressure and he was getting rid of the ball quick, but that was taking away from the play, being able to develop any sort of, right. of improvis improvisational stuff and letting it develop downfield. And they yep. were very, just very vanilla offensively. Yep. And then now you're about to take that and completely flip it upside down to where you're going to be relying on the improvisational ability yeah. of Baker Mayfield, who's not going to be the type of guy that's going to be able to reduce pressure by reading the field quickly, getting the ball out and things like that, unless you're giving him half field reads. And to your point, if you're giving him half field reads, you're limiting your offense, you're yeah. cutting yourself off at the knees. And so you've gone from being an offense that needed to rely on its timing to now being an offense on the complete opposite side of that spectrum where the quarterback doesn't have the internal clock how do you manage all of that? And you manage all of that by uh, drafting really well next year. That that's how you manage all of it. Like it's going to be rough in Tampa this year, I think. You know, you know that uh, that iceberg meme where like the show, like you know, the iceberg above the water and the iceberg below. Yes. Like there, the Buccaneers like saying, "Oh yeah, we feel uh, have all the confidence in the world in Baker Mayfield." The iceberg under all that is basically them saying, "We cannot wait to be in contention to get Caleb Williams next year." It's exactly be, right. That, that is our goal. Yeah, um, exactly right. I think this is going to be another team that's going to be looking for a new head coach in 2024. Oh, yeah. Um, and then some are. other team is going to be extremely lucky to get a fantastic defensive coordinator. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. That's the crazy part. <laughs> I just think that some guys are meant to be coordinators, and he is one. Like, last year against your Saints, in that game that they somehow won in Tampa Bay, um, he 
they punted with what like a minute 50 left down yeah. and two some i think yeah they're still down yeah. two scores yeah yeah two scores and he punts point. like that is the ultimate just yeah i'm waving it let's get out of here that is yeah. when i walked because i was covering that game in tampa i was walking and they as as the punt team went on all the bucks fans poured out <laughs> and left and i'm sitting there and i'm like Tom Brady is the quarterback, y'all. Like, don't don't leave yet. But I understood at the same time, like sure. that was effectively conceding. All right, we lost this game, mm-hmm. and you can't do that. You can't be a head coach that gives up on its team. Absolutely not. Um, well, that does it for the NFC. Unless I forgot somebody, I'm pretty sure we covered. Now we hit all of them. The NFC. This is a lot of fun, buddy. Uh, what do you got coming this week uh, in terms of Saints coverage? Yeah, so I've uh, been doing a couple of deep dives uh, over there, looking at who's going to be the most reliable weapon for the New Orleans Saints in 2023 over on the offensive side, looking at fixing Alvin Kamara's usage. There was a lot of misusage with him last year. Uh, you'll appreciate this. Uh, back in 2020, which was a season where he had like 21 receiving and rushing touchdowns, touchdowns on yeah. offense, uh, he had uh, he had caught 27 screen passes. And, and people who don't even watch or cover the New Orleans Saints know that the screen pass is – has always been a vital part of the New Orleans Saints offense. It's been a part of their DNA, part of their uh, part of their their uh, attack in Sean Payton years. Twenty seven of those last year to nine, nine, tar- nine screens this past year. Wild. So you know, there's a lot of things about breaking down. Like, okay, how do you get this more involved? How does Jamal Williams impact all of it? Stuff like that. Uh, and then we're previewing camp battles and everything because training camp is um, both both almost here and so far away at the same time. Like it's that weird, <laughs> that weird two week yeah. situation. So, you know, getting ready for all that with, uh, with our episodes every Monday through Friday. But I, I got to tell you, man, this was a ton of fun. I really appreciate you having me on. Dude. Hey brother. Anytime you want to come on here, you are more than welcome to. Um, this was a lot of fun. I think that yep. it's about long overdue that we did something together. And I'm glad that for we real. did it. So throughout the season, yes, we will definitely do this more frequently. Um, in terms of me, my stuff, uh, power rankings before training camp coming on USA Today. Um, and I kind of teased that, you know, big piece that I'm doing. I'm pretty sure I'm allowed to talk about it now. Um, doing a big feature on Michael Vick, which is going to be so much fun. Awesome. I can't wait to do it. Um, Michael's one of my favorite players growing up. So being able to do this and tell a little bit of his post-football story and talk to some guys in the league now who he is definitely influenced. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. So that'll be coming September, October, we're figuring out a timetable, but it'll be happening in the next couple months and I'll be teasing the hell out of it until then. Yes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, appreciate everybody for listening, Ross. But hey, like I said, a lot of fun, man. We'll do this again soon. Absolutely, bud. All right, take care, guys. We'll see you next week on The Pump Fake. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.